right, amen. I'm glad once again that you could join us for actually the last Wednesday night service of 2020. And certainly when we began 2020, we never knew that we would be doing 10 months worth of online Wednesday night services. But uh, the Lord has seen us through, and I'm glad that you continue to uh, join us on Wednesday night, the online uh, study as we finish Jeremiah. We were in Jeremiah most of 2020. And then as we're going to finish the book of Lamentations today. So Jeremiah, Lamentations, chapter 3, we'll begin there. We'll finish the book uh, tonight. And then the schedule for uh, the rest of 2020, which is two more weeks, is next week uh, we will have our Christmas Eve family service, and we're going to do it, as I announced, and as you read in the e-bulletin, we're going to do a noon service, one service, we're going to provide online, so you can watch it, but also, we're going to do it in the backyard, there's a reason for that, we want uh, people to be able to come and invite friends and to spread out, and so we're going to do it, it's going to be different this year, we're going to have the sanctuary that will be open for you who want to come in and spread out, just don't want to be out in the cold. It's not going to be that bad. It's supposed to be around 40 degrees, and uh, it's going to be warm. It may be more comfortable than when it was in the 80s and, you know, 90s this summer when we were doing outdoor services. We got south-facing slope uh, there, and, and I think that, you know, the service is not going to be long. Uh, wear your coat. Uh, bring a chair if you like. Hot chocolate. Uh, we got a gift bag for the kids and we just want to come together uh, for uh, Christmas Eve. I was telling the staff t- today uh, that uh, I really need Christmas Eve. I really need to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and so do you. We need to come together as a family. And I want you to be able to invite people, invite friends. And it's just going to be more inducive for people to come at noon and, and be able to come and to uh, be in the backyard and spread out and feel safe. And we're just in that mode right now. We have been all year and, and just adapting and adjusting. So please consider coming, come worship with us. And as I said, the sanctuary will be open as well where you can spread out. And we're still trying to be careful and give preference to one another, but also to not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. So Christmas Eve at noon on Thursday, December 24th. And then a week later, we will be doing a New Year's Eve prophecy update online, 7 o'clock on New Year's Eve. The title of the uh, Christmas Eve service is Don't Be Afraid. That's the title of my message. The title of the prophecy update is Don't Be Troubled. And I think both of them are very important messages to give to us, especially in light of 2020. And as we look ahead to 2021, we're going to celebrate the first advent of Jesus. And we're going to be talking about the second advent of Jesus. And as we do and and look to 2021, and the, the world has changed. Our culture has changed. Our society has changed. Our nation has changed. The world has changed. And it can trouble us as we see the things around us. Where's all of this heading towards? And it's important for us to be uh, ones that we know what the Bible says. It's my heart to really uh, have the believers uh, be established in truth and have discernment in the days in which we are living in. And we can have that with what the Bible says about the last days, the days that we're in, uh, what should be our mindset, what should be our manner of life, as Peter writes in his epistle. And even as Paul said, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. So those are going to be very important things that we will talk about. So don't be afraid Christmas Eve, and then don't be troubled New Year's Eve, a prophecy update. Be sure to let your friends know about that. And uh, even perhaps as you feel comfortable uh, inviting somebody over to watch it with you, I think they're going to be tremendously blessed. And then we're going to end the year, and then we'll go into 2021, and we are continuing our Sunday mornings in Matthew's Gospel, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. And we are no longer registering for services. Just come. 
uh, we are not going to do that. And uh, so we will be meeting uh, this week, uh, next two Sundays to end the year, and then continuing in 2021 to go through Matthew's gospel. We're going through the parables uh, that we will finish uh, this week and next week, chapter 13. And uh, it's been a rich study. I hope you've been blessed. I know that you have been. And uh, come 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock, children's ministry. Uh, the children are going to be getting a special lesson uh, on Christmas and activities on this Sunday. I know they'll be tremendously blessed. And then also, I want to let you know about end-of-the-year giving. And uh, there is uh, the uh, giving that, of course, we want to get it in by the end of the year, the 31st, credit cards, debit, uh, PayPal uh, by the 31st, checks, if they can be marked by the 31st. And that will help you you, um, and us and for us to get you a receipt for tax purposes, whether you use it or not. You will get a receipt on that, and that's up to you. But also uh, asking for cash donations, being a church offering box by the 27th of December. That's the last Sunday. If you got any questions, you can uh, call Eileen, leave a message with her. Eileen Hayes at ccgreeley.com. It's on our website, her email, if you got any questions on that. And she uh, will answer those questions for you. Uh, also, I want to let you know the bookstore is open, and it will be open uh, for this Sunday. Uh, and make sure that you take a look at the bookstore. Uh, there's some good resources there, good Bibles that are going to be a blessing, Common Terry's for you uh, to look at, books on family, marriage, uh, uh, just uh, end times, uh, uh, just all kinds of uh, different subjects, apologetics. And so take uh, time to go through that and look and get something for yourself or get something for somebody for Christmas that will be a blessing. So we just want to let you know that uh, that bookstore is there. Also, just concerning Christmas Eve, there are these invitation cards that are here. Uh, the church is open during the week if you want to come by and get some of those. Uh, so many of you took some uh, this Sunday, last Sunday. So this Sunday is the last opportunity for you to get it or come in during the week. We're usually here. The door is open. And invite somebody out to Christmas Eve service. As I said, that there are uh, a lot of people that are open to come to Christmas Eve and to services more than any other time of the year. Uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Easter. And they may be more willing to come when they feel like, okay, it's going to be outside. It's not going to be in a crammed room and uh, all of this. And they may feel more comfortable coming. And it's, again, the weather's going to hold out. So say, hey, come. Come and, and uh, bring your kids and there'll be a, a gift bag for them. And we want to give the gospel. We want to <clears throat> give that message of don't be afraid, the message of Christmas and why Jesus came. And, and uh, that's what we want to do and focus on. So we're really excited. Be praying for us. Be praying for the service. Uh, the New Year's Eve prophecy update. Every time we meet, people are making decisions for the Lord. And we want to uh, just continue to be ones that are you know, instruments of truth and righteousness and uh, the good news of the gospel to give to others. People need that desperately, desperately. So the greatest need that people have is to respond to the gospel. Um, everything else is in the e-bulletin. Take a look at it. I think I covered mostly everything. And as I said, we are going to be in the book of Lamentations. We're going to finish it. Chapter 3 of Lamentations, you'll find it right after Jeremiah, right before the book of Ezekiel. When we go into 2021, when we continue with online services on Wednesday, uh, we will be in the book of Ezekiel. You do not want to miss that study. It's going to be an incredible study. Ezekiel's amazing book. And perhaps you've never done a study in the book of Ezekiel. It's a book that oftentimes gets ignored in the church at large or in our own devotions or our own reading. And there's so much in Ezekiel, so much amazing prophecy and visions that he has that I know is going to be a blessing to you. But tonight, Lamentations chapter 3, 4, and 5. Father, we ask that you would bless our study tonight as we thank you that we've been able to, through technology, 
to continue doing uh, Wednesday nights online, uh, to go through the book of Jeremiah, to go through this book, Lamentations, and then to continue in the book of Ezekiel uh, when we get into 2021. But tonight we pray that even though this is a heavy book, Lord, there's an important message. And I pray that you would touch our hearts with your word. And Lord, it would really show us um, that you desire for us to be free in you and to walk in your truth, the benefits of blessing, of applying your word in our lives, and to know that we can trust you with your word given to us. And Lord, that you are our portion. We can trust you with our lives. So bless this time as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you've been with us in our study of Lamentations, you know that Jeremiah, it is written by Jeremiah, and he is expressing the lamenting that he is doing, the weeping that he is doing as he watches Jerusalem be judged. The Babylonians, of course, would come in in the third and final assault of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., And it was terrible. It was horrible. The book of Jeremiah ends with detailed account of the Babylonians breaking through the city wall and destroying the city and destroying Solomon's magnificent temple. Jeremiah had been warning for 40 years that if you do not turn back to the Lord and give up your idol worship and put away the the idols and and that which is false and quit listening to the false teachers and prophets, take heed to the word of the Lord and turn back to him, they refused to do that. And they decided to go their own way to continue in their false worship. They were believing the false messages of the false prophets. And, of course, even though Jeremiah, very dramatically, he would tell them that there's going to be destruction, death, devastation like you've never seen before. And that's exactly what he is expressing here in Lamentations. Now, Lamentations, to me, I think the book almost would uh, is more like the books of the poetic books. Uh, the, this is in the section of the prophets that begins with Isaiah, goes to the end of the Old Testament. But as you read it, you see that it is Jeremiah. Of course, he's inspired by the Spirit of God to write these words as he's expressing his anguish that he is feeling, that uh, watching the, the, the destruction of Jerusalem, the, of the people, the death, how they're starving, uh, the adversity that uh, he is seeing would cause him to just be miserable. At one point, he says that it's so overwhelming, I can't cry, I can't weep. There's no tears from my eyes. Uh, a few verses later, he talks about how rivers are flowing from his eyes. He's just overwhelmed. There's a lot of poetic language that is here. Is he is just expressing how he feels. And in chapter 3, as you begin to read his anguish. He, he's beginning to think about that, you know, there's a hedge around me and it's like a bare line in weight and uh, the Lord has made me desolate. He has bent his bow. It's very similar to what Job was feeling as he was lamenting over the loss and difficulties and suffering that he was going through. So what I love about uh, the book of Lamentations, even Ecclesiastes, as Solomon is is talking about his struggles in the book of Job, the honesty of these men of faith that they give. But then there's moments of great uh, faith. There's moments of hope that they give that we can learn so much from because all of us go through difficulties. We will have tribulation. We're going to talk about the tribulation period in in our uh, New Year's Eve prophecy update. But for right now, all of us, We will have tribulation, Jesus said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. We will have difficulties, and we will go through sufferings, and we go through loss, and we go through challenges. And as we do, we need those words of hope, and we can feel the same things that Jeremiah, or perhaps even David. David was the same way, very honest as he would express that, why is my soul cast down, O Lord? Uh, How long, O Lord? Uh, won't you hear my prayers? He's just in honesty of his heart. He's expressing his heart, but then he would get his focus on the Lord. And that's why the Psalms are so rich when we go through difficulties that these verses that we ended on last time in chapter 3 are so important for us to know and to understand. And, And we ended at verse 20. 
7, but I want to back up in Lamentations chapter 3, and I want to read it to you again, actually in verse 20 of chapter 3. And my soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Jeremiah, after all the anguish he expresses, all the things that he is seeing, the destruction and, and um, the, the people around him that are starving and dying and the judgment and, and feeling like, Lord, that you're the one that is come against us and um, you're the one that uh, is, is the uh, one that uh, is you know, against us in some way, just that feeling. But he says, I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. He begins to get his heart on the truth of what God's word declares. You see, the people had ignored the Lord's warning. The people didn't want the Lord in their lives. They wanted to continue in their false worship. They wanted to continue to follow the dictates of their evil hearts. And one of the things that Jeremiah, that book, shows us in the book of Lamentation, reiterates to us, is that there is consequences for sin. It is a loving Father that loves us so much that he gives us his word. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome, First John chapter 5. And in that, every expression of God's commandments is an expression of his love. Every word of his commandment and truth and principles that we see, that he's showing his love to us because he doesn't want us to be in bondage. He doesn't want us to experience the consequences of sin. So here is Jeremiah with a tough message, but also he has a tender heart. It is the Lord that is weeping as well. It is Jesus that wept over Jerusalem as he talked about their desolation because they would not come to him and, and they would not gather to him. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He, he would express, you know, Chorazin, Bethsaida, uh, Capernaum. Uh, you rejected the mighty works. You saw them. And I think Jesus said that lamenting. He was weeping because the people had turned away. And the Lord weeps when we turn away from him. So the Lord wanted to gather them to him, wanted to protect them, wanted to do such a mighty work, but they refused it. And now here is the consequences. And Jeremiah, in his expression of what he's feeling, and, and Lord, you must be against us, the Lord was for them. But because they had broken the covenant that he had made with them, and because they had forsaken the Lord, we see that this judgment was coming by the hands of the Babylonians. And he says something very important that's important for us. Because sometimes we go through difficulties, we go through trials, we go through serious repercussions and consequences. Maybe it's because of our own sin. Maybe it's we don't know why it happened. Not every trial that we go through or, or seasons of suffering we go through or loss, we understand why. But we need to keep in mind, even as Jeremiah, he says, I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope, that the Lord loves us and he's with us. And there is hope in the Lord. And through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. And they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. So to remember this, to, to tuck it in your heart and in those difficult times and at all times to remember that his mercies are not consumed. Uh, his compassion fails not. They are new every morning. And great is your faithfulness. Listen, the Lord is faithful, and he is compassionate towards us, and he shows his mercy to us, his mercies that are new every morning. And I hope that we remember that when we wake up, his compassion is there, his love is there, his mercy is there as we enter into a new year. And therefore, we have hope. He goes on and he says, the Lord is good to those, verse 25, who wait for him to the soul who seek him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke in his youth. So the Lord is good to those who wait for him. And maybe you are in a season where you're waiting. Maybe it's for different reasons, economically, relationally, um, just the circumstances. You're waiting on the Lord. What direction should I go? What should I do? When is this going to get better? 
When am I going to find comfort, Lord? When is there going to be healing that's going to come in my situation? Strength. You're waiting on the Lord, and you're waiting and waiting, and that's a hard thing to do. And the promise of Scripture is this, that he will be good to those who wait on him. And notice here, as we read, that as he uh, says here, that it is good that one should hope and wait quietly. So hope in him. We can hope in the Lord. He is true. He is good. He is righteous. He can do no wrong. He does no evil. In him is light. There is no darkness at all. We can trust him. And our hope is him. But not only putting our hope, but as we wait silently for him. Now, for me, when I'm waiting, I'm not always silent. I'm fussing and I'm murmuring and I'm complaining and whatever the case may be. And it's hard to wait quietly for the Lord. But what it tells me is we should get away. Get away alone with the Lord. Get away with him and to just wait uh, uh, quietly as we go to him and to seek him. And, and for the salvation of the Lord is there, the full blessing of the Lord. He desires to speak to our hearts. He's doing a work in us. He's not leaving us as orphans. And it may not seem like he is, but he is. And he's growing us and maturing us and showing us things. So again, it's important for us in our spiritual lives that we learn to wait on the Lord and to put our hope in him, to keep going to him. And I've said this many times, but I want to remind you of this because it's important. I need to remind myself of this, that oftentimes when we go through trials or difficulties, we will pull away from the Lord. And it's very important that we draw close to the Lord. That's what he wants us to do. And we pull away because we feel like, Lord, you don't love me anymore. And we know that, as I read last week to you, Romans chapter 8, what will separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, famine, you know, the sword, pestilence, uh, any of those things, none of those things. And Paul the apostle was one that knew about tribulation and, and perils and and. Uh, difficulties and trials and suffering and all of that. He said, there's nothing that will separate us from the love of God. He still loves you. And as we just rest in that and trust in that, our hope is in him. And to wait quietly, Lord, speak to me. Show me what it is that you want to show me. Work in my life the way that you want me to. And we go through trials. The work that he wants to do is not to tear you down, but to build you up. Not to have you be on shaky ground but on solid ground not to to do you in but to to and make you bitter but to make you better and and to work in your life to where you see the goodness of the lord where you see lord his faithfulness where you grow in your trust and love for him that's the work that he wants to do but we continue now in verse 28 again in lamentations chapter 3 let him sit alone and keep silent because the lord laid it on him let him put his mouth in the dust there may yet be hope let him give his cheek to the one who strikes him and be full of reproach And so he continues in verse uh, 31, For the Lord will not cast off forever, though he causes grief. Yet he will show compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Notice the multitude of his mercies. It isn't that the Lord says, a little mercy here today and that's it. That's all you get for the rest of your life. The multitude of his mercies. He shows compassion to us, does not afflict willingly nor grieve the children of men. Here's the thing. He, he's not bringing this judgment willingly. It isn't like the Lord is saying, you're getting what you deserve, you know, and you just made me so angry. And, and he speaks of how his anger was aroused. But sometimes we, we, we get upset because our hearts are breaking. And, and the Lord has a righteous anger that he is feeling. But don't picture him up in heaven saying, ha ha, you know, and I'm really going to show them and they're getting what they deserve. And they're they're getting, you know, uh, you know, this because uh, of what they did. You know, he isn't he isn't rejoicing. He isn't boasting in his judgment. He grieves that he's bringing this judgment to them. And he doesn't take pleasure um, in Judging his people, Ezekiel's going to speak about that. He doesn't uh, give pleasure in bringing judgment uh, to the wicked. He's doing it uh, because they had forsaken him so bad. 
And he knew that they needed to be chastened. They needed to be judged. So where eventually they will go into captivity and they will come back. And they will come back to him. You know, the Lord chastens us. The book of Hebrews speaks about that. But always remember this, in disciplining us, and, and we on this side of the cross, you know, they were being judged, of course, in the covenant that God made with them, the judgment that would come to them. But oftentimes I will hear Christians say, God is judging me. Listen, as a Christian, Jesus took the judgment that you and I deserve, the judgment of death on the cross, but he will chasten us. And he will discipline us because of his love for us, as the book of Hebrews says, because we're his children. And we as parents, I think we can understand the heart of the father a bit because we as parents, when we discipline our kids because they did something wrong or they're disobedient or they're going down the road that is wrong, we don't do it with pleasure. We don't sit there and go, I can't wait till Junior gets home and I can really let him have it. Um, but we can feel a righteous anger. But we're heartbroken. We don't enjoy doing it, but we know we have to do it because otherwise they're going to grow up and they're going to be spoiled or they're going not learn between right and wrong. We discipline them for their benefit, don't we? And any of us as parents, we understand that. That's a part of our, our responsibility as parents is to discipline our children. Um, and we need to do that, and we do it because we love them. We want what's best for them. They need to learn. And the Heavenly Father, um, He desires to do the same thing with us to even a greater degree because we need to um, grow. We need to learn. Uh, he loves us. We're His children, and He does it out of love for you and for me. But to crush under one's feet, verse 34, all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the justice due a man before the face of the Most High, or subvert a man in his cause, the Lord does not approve. So God's not unjust. And always keep in mind this, that the Bible declares righteous and true are your decisions. That's the song of heaven that we'll be singing all together. The book of Revelation tells us uh, that righteous and true are your judgments, Lord, are your decisions. And to continue reading verse 37, he, who is he who speaks? Um, and it comes to pass when the Lord has not commanded it. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High and woe and well-being proceed? Why should a living man complain? A man for the punishment of his sins. Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord, verse 40. So as we read this, um, they were being punished because of their sin. They had no right to complain, as uh, in verse 39, uh, here's Jeremiah. Uh, do we have a right to complain? Here's the thing. I've had people come to me, and they're going through the consequences and the difficulties and the pain because of their sin, and they'll complain. Well, God did this, you know. I asked to forgive, you know, for forgiveness. Well, you're forgiven, but there's consequences. And once again, to remind you, that's why it's a loving father that says, listen, don't go down that road because there's going to be pain. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be sorrow that's going to happen. And we are forgiven and we can ask for forgiveness, but the consequences can be great. And I see it. And then, and then we come along and complain. The book of Proverbs speaks about how it is the fool who doesn't consider the consequences of his sin, of doing foolish things and, and walking in foolishness. And we need to remember that, that sin, that as we reap or sow to the spirit of the spirit, we will reap into everlasting life. Good things will happen. If we are ones that we sow to the flesh of the flesh, we will reap corruption. That is true for every single one of us. That's Galatians chapter 6. We are all sowing something to the spirit or to the flesh. And if we reap to the flesh, there's going to be corruption. There's going to be a bad fruit that's going to be produced. There's going to be a bad harvest that's going to come. So we want to sow unto the Spirit, don't we? Because then we, we reap unto everlasting life. Good things are going to happen. It is Paul that warned. He said, if you're carnally minded, it brings death. But if you're spiritually minded, it brings life and peace. You want to experience life the way it was meant to be experienced, do you want to have peace in your life and in your heart? It's when you are one that you're spiritually minded. But if you're carnally minded, it just your life will begin to 
to smell like death, just death to your soul, because you're following after world and you're pursuing the world, and we need to keep those things in mind. So you can complain the consequences, but the Lord says, don't go down that road. And the Lord is still merciful, and he still loves us, and it remains, and he still works in our lives at those times. But here they were complaining against God when they sinned. And then verse 40, as we read it, that um, here he says, let us search out and examine our ways. David said, Lord, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me to the way everlasting. And that's important, I think, in a daily you know, or consistently to say, Lord, here's my heart. And if there's anything in my heart that's not right, please show me. Show me the way everlasting. Convict me. Conviction is a good thing. Do you know that? It's different than condemnation. Condemnation comes from the enemy to pull you away from the Lord. Conviction is to convict you of sin uh, or convict you of, of whatever the Lord is. He wants you to do something, an attitude, sin, carnality. And it's always to draw us to him. I'm so glad the Lord convicts me. Lord, I'm going down the wrong road. I didn't even see it. I'm not paying attention. Lord, my attitudes are wrong. Or you convict me because I didn't show compassion towards that person. And you want me to get involved in their lives. You want me to help or whatever. And it's always to draw close to him. So here is uh, them, you know, search our way and turn back to the Lord. And verse 41, let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled. You have not pardoned. You have covered yourself with anger, pursued us. You have slain and not pitied. You have covered yourself with a cloud. The prayer should not pass through. You have made us an off uh, scoring. Uh, scourging and refuge in the midst of the people. Verse 46, all our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and snare have come upon us. Desolation and destruction. My eyes overflow with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of my people. Speaking of Jerusalem. Now he's speaking that, you know, by um, weeping and the tears are flowing. And as he is speaking of Judah's rebellion, they refuse to turn back to God. So the consequences were great, as we have seen in verse 49. My eyes flow and do not cease without interruption till the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes bring suffering to my soul because of all the daughters of my city. Uh, we know that Jeremiah continues to weep for his people, for Jerusalem. And my enemies, uh, without cause, hunted me down like a bird. They silenced my life in the pit, threw stones at me, and waters flowed over my head. I said, I am cut off. Now, verses 52 through 54 is interesting here because remember that it was in Jeremiah chapter 38 that he was being persecuted. He was thrown into a pit, into a cistern, and it was very dangerous. He sunk in the mud and the mire, and it was dangerous because if it rained, the cistern would fill up with water and he could drown there. But apparently what we're being told is he was in that place and he was pulled out eventually because somebody came to the king and said, you got to get Jeremiah out of there or he's going to end up dying. That's how danger it is. But they threw stones at him. Can you imagine being in a pit and people are throwing stones at you? You know, that's hard. He had a difficult ministry. He had a tough ministry. And then as we read in verse 52, my enemies without cause uh, handed me down like a bird. Let's move down to verse 55. I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit, and you have heard my voice. Verse 55, I have underlined. He talks about that they threw stones at me as I was in the pit. And verse 53, verse 55, I called on your name, O Lord, from the lowest pit. Verse 56, you have heard my voice and hears you. And maybe you're here tonight, or maybe you're listening tonight, wherever you're at, and you feel like you're in a pit. And you feel like you've had stones thrown at you. You feel like the, the waters, you know, of sorrow and from your tears are overflowing. You're in the muck and mire. And I want you to know that you can call on the Lord, and He hears you from the lowest pit. He will hear your voice, and he sees you and he knows you. Do not hide your ear from my sign, from my cry for help. You drew near on the day I called on you and said, do not fear. That's a good word for us, isn't it? For you who feeling like you're just in that pit, that he desires to draw near to you.
And he says to you, you don't have to be afraid, I'm with you. O Lord, you have pleaded the case for my soul. Verse 58, you have redeemed my life. O Lord, you have seen how I am wrong. Judge my case. You have seen all their vengeance, all their schemes against me. As He's just speaking about how they came against him unjustly. And perhaps you feel that way because people do that. And they will persecute us and they will hurt us without a cause. And know that the Lord, he's... He knows, he sees, he hears. You have heard their reproach, O Lord, verse 61, all their schemes against me, the lips of my enemy, and their whispering against me all the day. They were uh, taunting him. Look at their sitting down and they're rising up. I am their taunting song. Maybe you feel like you're the subject of gossip in your family or amongst friends or, you know, in, in the office, whatever it might be. And Jeremiah went through all of that for 40 years. But the Lord was faithful to him. And he begins to just express his heart. Repay them, O Lord, according to the work to their hands. Give them a veiled heart. Your curse be upon them. In your anger, pursue and destroy them from under the heavens of the Lord. That's how the chapter ends. He's just expressing his hurt, his disappointment, even his anger. You know, David used to do that. Precatory prayers is what it's called. David would say, Lord, break out their teeth as his enemies came against him unjustly. But here's the important thing to note. David was really good about this. Even though he said, Lord, they come against me. You deal with them. You know, you bring them down. You dig a pit for them to fall in. Here, Jeremiah is feeling the same way. You know, you you, uh, pursue them. Um, you, You deal with them according to the work of their hands. Um, And the Lord will deal with them. Listen, no one's getting away with anything. And maybe you're feeling like you're unjustly being attacked or persecuted or whatever, gossip against. The Lord knows it and he sees. And he will be your protector and he will help you. But no one's getting away with anything because he is perfectly just. And, and he will deal in his time and in his way. But know that his love remains with you. Chapters 4 and 5 we're going to look at very quickly as we go through these verses. Again, um, it just parallels the first two chapters as Jeremiah is, is uh, just surveying the scene of calamity that's going on in Jerusalem. Chapter 4, how the gold has become dim, how change to find gold. The stones of the sanctuary are scattered at the head of every street. Jerusalem was a magnificent city, and he expresses that here. Jerusalem was a very beautiful city. When Solomon built the temple, he used large ornate stones. We know from uh, 1 Kings, also from 2 Chronicles. Uh, He overlaid the temple with gold. It was magnificent, the temple was. And now it was destroyed. Those large stones were thrown aside. It reminds me, doesn't it, of what Jesus, same thing, the Heronian stones, you can see them today, that were tossed uh, down. And, and as Jesus said, that the second temple, which was one of the wonders of the world when Herod the Great uh, remodified it and expanded it, uh, overlaid it with gold, the temple as well. Uh, that's why Jerusalem was called the Golden City, because if you were on the Mount of Olives and the sun came up behind you, it hit the reflection of the gold, and it, it would just, it was, you couldn't look at it. That's what Josephus, the Jewish historian, writes. And all that was torn down. Jesus said not one stone would be upon another. And all of it was destroyed. All of it because of sin. The magnificent city, you know, um, how changed the fine gold. The stones are scattered uh, at every street. The precious sons, verse 2 of Zion, valuable as fine gold. How they are regarded as clay pots. The work of the hands of the potter. It reminds me that remember that in Jeremiah chapter 18 and 19 that Jeremiah go down to the potter's house and learn a lesson. And there was the potter uh, that he was making this pot, this vessel, and it was marred. And then he was to take a, uh, in chapter 19, a flask, this pot, and to the leaders there looking over the valley of Hena or Gehenna, uh, he would break the flask and he would say, that's what's going to happen because of your disobedience. And, and it's going to be ugly, just like it is the 
trash heap. There's going to be bodies laying around and corpse and all of that. And the Lord's going to break you because of your disobedience. Listen, the Lord is the master potter. We're the work of his hands, and he wants to make us a, a useful vessel, a vessel of honor for him. And as he's molding us and shaping us, just allow him to do what he wants to do in your life, to make you a useful vessel. Yield to him. Uh, just trust in him. And all those lessons that we talked about. But in verse 3, even the jackals present their breasts to nurse their young. But the daughters of my people is cruel like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the infant clings to the roof of the mouth for thirst. The young children ask for bread, but no one breaks, uh, no one breaks it for them. Uh, the starvation, again, he turns his attention to the children. Um, and uh, here the Lord wanted to feed them. Wanted to provide for them. I brought you into this land flowing with milk and honey. I will provide for you. But they refused to turn to the Lord. And all of a sudden, the consequences were great and hard to see. The punishment of the iniquity, verse 6 of chapter 4, the daughter of my people, is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. Isn't that interesting? Which was overthrown in a moment with no hand to help her. Her Nazarites were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. They are more ruddy in body than rubies, like sapphire in their appearance. Now their appearance is blacker than soot. They go unrecognized in the streets. Their skin clings to their bones. It's become as dry as wood. Their slain of the sword are better off than those who die of hunger. Uh, for these pine away, stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. Again, they were ones that they were starving, and it was a slow death, and it was painful. The hands of the compassionate women have cooked uh, their own children, verse 10. They become food for them in the destruction of the daughter of my people. Hard to read, a hard, difficult scene here. Verse 11, the Lord has fulfilled his fury, has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion, and it has devoured his foundations. The kings of the earth and the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adverse adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, they trusted. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're Jerusalem. This is God's city. We got the temple. Ezekiel will express the same thing because Ezekiel is prophesying before the destruction of Jerusalem. And they were saying the temple, the temple, the temple. We have the temple. Nothing's going to happen to us. And you see, they were more trusting in a place than they were trusting in the Lord. And it's all of a sudden, uh, we wouldn't have believed that the enemy could come into Jerusalem like it, they have and bring such destruction because of the sins of her prophets and iniquities of her priests who shed in their midst the blood of the just. They... Uh, wandered blind in the streets. They have defiled themselves with blood so that no one would touch their garments. We continue reading in verse 15. They cried out to them, Go away, unclean. Go away. Go away. Do not touch us. When they fled and wandered, uh, those among the nations said, They shall no longer dwell here. The face of the Lord has scattered them. He no longer regards them. The people do not respect the priests nor show favor to the elders. Still our eyes have failed us, watching vainly for our help. In our watching, we watched for a nation that could not save us. The Lord was to be the one that would save them, but they refused. They looked to that. That which wouldn't save them, couldn't save them. They look to that which would not help them. The Lord is your help. And oftentimes people will look to that which will not help them. Those idols didn't help them. The Lord wanted them to trust him. He wanted to deliver them, but they refused. They said, we won't do that. We refuse. And here they are looking, and that help's not going to come. In verse 18, they tracked our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days are over, for our end has come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the heaven. And they pursued us on the mountains and lay in wait for us in the wilderness. We read in verse 20, the breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord was caught in their pits, of whom we said under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Uh, rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. The cup shall also pass 
over to you and you shall become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no longer send you into captivity. He will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will uncover your sins. So Edom rejoiced when Jerusalem fell, but the bitter cup would someday be passed to her. As we saw that in chapter 49 of Jeremiah. And then as we finish here, chapter 5. It's, chapter 5 is more of a prayer um, than a lament. But remember, our Lord, what has come upon us. Look and behold our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens. Our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans and um, waifs. Our mothers are like widows. Jeremiah is, is going to pray for restoration. But as he prays, we've lost everything. I have seen people lose an awful lot and sometimes just most everything because of sin and what came with it. And here he says, you know, our inheritance, our homes, our land are turned over to the enemy. We have orphans, all this. We pay for the water we drink and our wood comes at a price. They pursued at our heels. We labor and have no rest. We have given our hand to the Egyptians and the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Babylon ruled over Judah. It was very severe, a heavy hand. They had to pay to drink water and wood that they would cook. When they had that, the Lord had provided that. That was all taken away. And they had aligned themselves with Egypt and Assyria rather than trusting God and looking for him to provide and to free them. Now they're under Babylonian rule. And then as we read in verse 7, our mothers, our fathers had a sin and are no more, but we bear their iniquities. Servants rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their land. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven because of the fever of famine. So famine was starting to go through. They ravished the women in Zion, the maidens in the cities of Judah. Princes were hung by their hands, and elders were not respected. Young men ground at the millstones. Boys staggered under loads of wood. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate, and the young men from their music. So the consequences here that Judah was feeling of the burdens, the, you know, the uh, being ravaged, um, not respected, uh, at the millstone working, the, the, just the bondage that it brings, and that's what sin does. And then as we finish lamentations, the joy of our heart has ceased. Our dances turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Because of Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it. You, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. So Jeremiah, he says, why, why forget us forever? And we do know that Jeremiah wrote about the time, the new covenant, that the Lord said, I will, one day I am going to remember you. He said, after 70 years, I'm going to come and visit you and remember you and bring you back into the land. But the ultimate fulfillment of the restoration of Israel, and that's a topic for another time. But I want to end Lamentations with this. Verse 15, the joy of our hearts has ceased and our dances turn in the morning. We've gone over chapter, over chapter, over chapter in Jeremiah and Lamentations here. 52 chapters in Jeremiah. And we have seen um, five chapters in Lamentation of the effects of sin, of disobedience, of rejecting the Lord. And that is that there's going to be no joy in your heart. The Lord desires to give you joy and peace. Uh, and that comes from him alone to give us strength, to bless our lives, that abundant life that Jesus said that I have for you. And if we will reject what he has for us or go our own direction or live our own lives, or we continue in sin, we continue in carnality, you will lose your joy. You will lose your peace. You will experience the consequences of sin. And that's the lesson that we have. So we're reminded of that in all these chapters, all these lessons. Listen, he has abundant life for us, peace and joy, and a blessing in life to live for him, to be free, not in bondage, to be strengthened, not tore down and weakened and uh, not to be burdened, but Jesus said, come to me. 
for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So very important lessons as we read this. It's hard words, but a very important words to you and to me. The Lord loves you. And if he's convicting you of sin or carnality or wrong attitudes or whatever, turn to him. Trust him. Your hope is in him. And know that his mercies are new every morning. His compassion fails not. And great is his faithfulness. And just trust him to bring you to that point that, Lord, I'm going to see that your ways are right and true and that there is blessing in walking in your ways. So, Father, we thank you for the book of Lamentations. I pray that that these lessons here uh, reiterated to us chapter after chapter of the consequences of sin. We thank you that we're forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, that you have forgiven us. But, Lord, there's consequences as well. And, Lord, there's consequences if we continue in sin and rebellion. It's not a good place to be. But that we would come to that place of repenting and come to that place of looking to you and walking rightly with you. Lord, I thank you that your compassions are new and your mercies. And, Lord, your faithfulness remains and the abundance of your tender mercies given to us. And, Lord, I pray that as we just trust in you and walk with you daily, that that joy would be unspeakable in our hearts and a peace that would rule in our hearts. And, Lord, that we would be restored unto us the joy of our salvation. You love us so much. You proved it by sending your son to die on a cross. You proved it by sending your son born in Bethlehem. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And we don't have to be afraid. But, Lord, we can trust you with our lives because Jesus gave his life for us to bring us forgiveness and salvation. Lord, bless everyone here. We look forward to meeting on Sunday. And, Lord, look forward to celebrating Christmas and the end of the year. Keep everyone healthy, Lord. Keep us safe. Protect us. We commit all these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great evening and, and uh, rest of the week. Hope we see you on Sunday, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock. Love to see you come as we'll continue looking at two very important parables that I think are going to be a blessing to you. We're going to take a communion on Sunday. It's going to be a great time. Come see us. God bless you.